Uh, we are in the fifth week of a sermon series on rediscovering joy through the book of Philippians. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the last portion of the first chapter. We've been journeying through the first chapter. And today we're going to finish the first chapter of the book of Philippians. Uh, it's a small portion, small passage of scripture we're looking at this morning. Uh, I'm going to read it out for us. It's Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. Uh, it'll also come up for us on screen. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and uh, see you or I'm absent, this is Paul writing, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is God's word. Look at verse 29 from the passage we just read. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. This is a, a very challenging verse. We all wish that only the first part of the verse were true. That it has been granted to us to believe in Christ. Uh, but the second part of the verse is also true. It has been gifted to us not only to believe in Christ, but it has also been gifted to us to also suffer for his sake. But where is the joy in this? As we've been seeing the past few weeks, there is great joy in believing in Christ. But what is the joy in suffering for the sake of Christ? I'll put it, to put it in different words, how on earth can we be joyful in suffering? And that's what we're going to be exploring together this morning, being joyful in suffering. And I'd like to draw three things for us from this, uh, from this passage. Three things from this passage. First, the inevitability of suffering in mission. The connection between joy, mission, and suffering. And third, how can we grow being joyful in suffering? So three things, the inevitability of suffering in mission, the connection between joy, mission, and suffering, and third, how can we grow in being joyful in suffering? So let's look at the, at the first thing, the inevitability of suffering in mission. Verse 29 again, for it has been granted to you to not only believe in his name, but also to suffer for his sake. This is not up 
for discussion. This is not uh, up for negotiation. This is not. Uh, um, uh, this is not. Um, uh, this is not a choice that 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 we get to make. Just as the gift of faith has been given to us, the gift of suffering for the sake of Christ has also been given to us. But what does it really mean to suffer for the sake of Christ? In gospel language, suffering is synonymous with mission. The suffering that Paul is talking about here, the book of Philippians, in this passage, in the entire book, is the suffering that inevitably comes with mission. And this suffering because of mission or suffering for the sake of Christ is, is unique to followers of Jesus Christ. Everybody in this world has to endure suffering. This is the nature of the fallen world. There is always suffering in a broken world. Uh, there's suffering due to sickness. Uh, there's suffering due to a bad boss. Uh, there's suffering due to a career that's not taking off. There's a suffering due to finances. There's suffering due to conflict in relationships, even with relationships with the ones we love. So everybody who lives in this world has to endure suffering. But when Paul talks about suffering in the book of Philippians, he is not talking about suffering that is common to everyone. Paul is talking about suffering that is unique to followers, to faithful followers of Christ Jesus. And this is the suffering that inevitably comes with mission. When we are faithful in mission, when we are faithful in telling people that Jesus Christ is the only way that sinners can be reconciled with the Holy God. When, when we say this, suffering is inevitable. In gospel language, mission is synonymous with suffering. Listen, all of us, we are all so well-intentioned about evangelism. All of us uh, will say that we have a desire for evangelism. And, and that would be true. Uh, we would all say that we would love to, definitely love to share uh, about the love of Jesus Christ uh, with our friends and colleagues and relatives who don't know, who haven't yet experienced this love of Jesus. We would all say that. But if we ask ourselves if we are willing to suffer for our evangelism, we would all begin to hesitate. You see, unless we anticipate and unless we even brace ourselves for suffering because of our evangelism, our good intentions for evangelism amount to nothing. Let me put it this way. Unless we are prepared to face suffering, we actually have zero real intention for evangelism. You've got to acknowledge that. If, if we are not prepared to endure suffering, we are merely fooling ourselves to think that we want to share about Jesus with our friends. You know, it's easy to live in good intentions. 
oh, I, I believe in evangelism. I believe I do want to share about Jesus. Uh, it's believe it's good to live in, in those good intentions. But those good intentions will never translate into action unless you and I are prepared to endure suffering for the sake of Christ. You know the flack that you're going to get from your close friends and your colleagues, maybe even your relatives, when you live your faith by proclaiming Jesus. We, we all know it. We all know it that, that even our best friends aren't going to be happy if we are open and honest and, 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 and live out and proclaim our faith in Christ Jesus as much as we, we ought to. So this is the bottom line. If you and I are not prepared to face suffering, we are not prepared for evangelism. And so when Paul talks about suffering in this book of Philippians, he's not talking about a difficult boss or a, or a nagging spouse or an adamant child. He is talking about the suffering that you and I will face when we tell our friends and colleagues about Christ Jesus. Now, suffering for the sake of Christ looks different in different cultures and different periods of time. For the early church, suffering was physical and it was brutal. Look at how the book of Hebrews in the Bible describes suffering uh, that the very first, the early Christians had had, had to face. Uh, allow me to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 35 to 37. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in tomb. Consider that. And they were killed with the sword. That's how the Bible describes the suffering that the early church had to face. Historical accounts uh, written by people who are not Christians, you know, um, objective observers, commentators on society, news anchors, if you if you call it that. Uh, this is how they described, even they were pretty graphic in describing the suffering that Christians in the early church endured because of their faith. And here's, here is one account by a historian uh, who is not a Christian that describes how Christians gladly, joyfully endured suffering for their faith. This is what he writes. In their deaths, they were made the subjects of sport, for they were covered with the hides of wild beasts and worried to death by dogs. In, those, in, the, in the arena, gladiators, uh, Christians would be thrown into the, thrown to the lions, and, and they would be clothed in uh, you know, hides of wild beasts so that the lions would attack them even more fiercely. Or they, would, they were nailed to crosses, or they were set fire to, and when the day waned, burned to serve for the evening lights. In, in Nero's time, time of Roman Emperor Nero, Christians were put upon posts and, and burnt so that, you know, they served as streetlights in, in the evening. That's what this historian says. This is not the suffering we face. I don't think any of us have uh, suffered this kind of suffering. This is not the suffering we face. 
the suffering we face for our evangelism is not the beating up of our bodies. It's the beating up of our egos. That's the suffering we're going to face, the beating up of our egos. Your, your colleagues at work or your neighbors at home are not going to throw you to the lions uh, if you speak about Jesus to them. Uh, but they are going to frown at us. Uh, they are going to smirk at us. They are probably uh, going to ridicule us. Uh, maybe they'll just turn cold towards us uh, when we start speaking about Jesus. It's, it's possible. Or maybe they just don't say anything. And, and, and even though they don't say anything, sometimes the very thought of what they may think about us actually discourage us from evangelism. So the suffering that we have to endure for the sake of Christ is to allow our egos to be to take a beating so that despite the disapproval of the culture around us, despite the rejection of the culture around us, we can be bold and joyful and, and kind and respectful and winsome and gentle in speaking, in sharing, in proclaiming that Jesus Christ died for everyone of our sins. And so if you and I are not prepared to endure the beating up of our egos, we are not prepared for evangelism. Let us not fool ourselves into thinking, I want to evangelize, I want to speak about Jesus, but I'm just not getting the opportunity. Oh, the opportunities are there. It's just that we don't want to endure shame. We don't want to endure ridicule. We don't want to uh, be seen as someone who's different. We, we don't want to make things awkward in relationships by, by speaking about Jesus. Suffering, the breaking, the beating up of our egos is inevitable in evangelism. Jesus had to endure that. He was mocked. And that's part and parcel. And that's the first thing I wanted to draw for us. The inevitable inevitability of suffering in mission. The second thing I wanted to draw out for us uh, from the passage is, is the connection between joy, mission, and suffering. The connection between joy, mission, and suffering. The equation we've been talking about so far is mission is equal to suffering. Mission is equal to suffering. Uh, but this equation is still not complete. There is more to this equation. And allow me to show us, uh, allow me to complete this equation for us by, uh, by moving on to another passage from the book of Philippians. This is chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Paul says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So this completes the equation that we're looking at, which is mission is equal to suffering plus joy. Because Paul is talking about being poured out as a drink offering, as a sacrifice, and yet he's saying, I'm glad and rejoice. And I want to exhort you as well to be glad and to rejoice. So mission is equal to suffering 
plus joy. What I'd like to do for us is, 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 is to, you know, illustrate what we've just read visually uh, to look at uh, what Paul's just experiencing, what Paul is experiencing, and what he is exhorting us to wishfully. Let's start with, of course, with Christ. Christ brings joy into each and every one of our lives. We've experienced this joy. We experienced the joy when we became followers of Jesus. We experienced this joy through worship this morning. We experienced this joy every time we commune with Christ. And it is this joy that propels us to mission. It is this joy that, that, that um, inspires us. And, and it is the overflow of this joy with which we go to people and, and, and share about the love of Christ Jesus. And when we go on mission, suffering, as we have seen, is inevitable. And when we, once we hit suffering, there are two directions we can go. One is, is a downward spiral. And in this downward spiral, we face disappointment. We face shame because we've been sharing the gospel and people have been rejecting us. We, we face rejection. We face fear. We, we feel awkward. And as a result of all of these negative emotions, we stop being on mission. And basically, we keep saying with good intentions, I want to be an evangelist, I want to be on mission. We say all the right things, but basically, it means end of mission. This is what happens. This is one way. But what Paul is saying in the verse that we just read, Philippians chapter 2, 17 and 18, what Paul is saying is, Paul is saying is, is in the suffering, rejoice. Count it as, 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 as joy. Because you are suffering, rejoice because you are suffering for the sake of Christ. Paul is calling us to, to find joy in, in the reality, in the truth, that when our egos are battered because of evangelism, we are suffering for the sake of Christ. So Paul is calling us to rejoice in our suffering, go back to the joy, and then this cycle continues. Where are we on this chart? Are we, are we enjoying this cycle of rejoicing in our suffering and that joy inspiring us to more, even more mission? Or are we grounded here? Where are you right now in this journey? God does not want us to be grounded at the bottom of that chart. It's not God's plan. It's not God's design. It's not God's calling on any of our lives to remain grounded there. God wants us to rise above this. God wants us to experience a breakthrough. 
God wants us, every one of us, to, to experience this indescribable joy that we can experience, every one of us can experience when we endure suffering for the sake of Christ. Do you know why God is so absolutely committed to take us away from being grounded at the bottom portion of the chart to experience joy in suffering in mission? Do you know why? The answer is a very simple one. It's a very simple reason. God is so committed to us in, in enabling us to experience joy and suffering for the sake of Christ, because God wants us to partake in the very nature of Christ. You see, when we endure suffering in our evangelism, we are becoming like Christ. Redemption is at the very core of the being of Christ. And redemption involved the suffering of Christ. And so to joyfully participate in mission along with its suffering is to participate in the very nature of Christ. So God is not going to settle for anything less than Christ-likeness for us. And if God is not going to settle for anything less than Christ-likeness for each and every one of us, then joyfully suffering for the sake of others is an absolute part of our spiritual growth. God is absolutely committed to us. God is absolutely committed to get every single one of us out of that bottom place where maybe many of us are grounded right now and to bring us up to a place like Paul where we can rejoice in the suffering we must endure because of evangelism. So what must we do? How, how can I move? If God has committed to us, what must I do in response to move from being grounded at the bottom of the chart to, to move up and experience a joy and suffering that Paul was already experiencing and he's calling us also to experience. And that brings us to the third and the last thing that I would like to drop out for us from this passage, how can we grow in being joyful in suffering? How can we grow in being joyful in suffering? That's, that's the third thing we're going to be looking at. How do we experience joy in our hearts in, in the midst of rejection and, and, and rebuke um, or even persecution as we go about living on mission. How do we find the strength to joyfully initiate and continue conversations, Christ conversations, with our friends who are, who are skeptical about the whole aspect of faith in Jesus? This is a journey of faith. Growing in evangelism, growing in mission is a journey of faith. This is not a self-improvement journey. And this journey is not about psyching ourselves to just do it. Grin and bear it. Just do it. That's not how evangelism flows. This is not evangelism. The journey of evangelism, the journey of mission is not a journey of blind and joyless faith. 
The journey of mission, the journey of evangelism is a journey in which the grace of God empowers us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot make this journey on our own strength. We need to lean on the sweet power and the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. And the passage that we're looking at leaves us with two steps. Two steps to help us grow in being joyful, even in the face of rejection in evangelism. Two steps. The first step, which we've already seen, is simple. Rejoice. What Paul exhorted the Philippian church with. Uh, Even as Paul was being poured out as a drink offering, even as he was being sacrificed, he was rejoicing. And he's calling us to rejoice. That's the first step. And we spend a minute on on this first step. There is a difference between the word joy and the word rejoice in this passage. The word joy is 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 just a passive experience. In Christ, our hearts are filled with joy. We we don't do anything to accomplish this joy. This joy is given to us. It's a gift that's given to us because of what Jesus did. So we receive this joy, just like faith. This is a passive experience of joy. We don't do anything to earn it. We just receive it. But apart from this passive experience of joy, there is also an active exercise of joy. And, and, and the word rejoice, every time it occurs in the book of Philippians, Paul uses this word three, four times. Every time it occurs in the book of Philippians, the word joy, the word, sorry, the word rejoice is an active exercise of joy. The word rejoice is actually a command and an exhortation. Get out of your mourning and rejoice. Get out of your indifference and rejoice. Get out of your grumbling and rejoice. Get out of your faithlessness and rejoice. Get out of your ungratefulness and rejoice. So the word rejoice here is an active exercise of joy. It's a command and and an exhortation. And this is not a blind, joyless rejoicing. This is not like like steal your emotions, forget all the difficulty and, and rejoice. No, 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 no. That's not at all what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying here is, Stop the downward spiral. Stop imagining all the lies we imagine. Look at all the blessings we already have in Christ and rejoice. So this rejoicing that Paul is calling us to is not not baseless rejoicing. It's grounded on the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. It's grounded on the blessings, unimaginable blessings. Christ has already gained for us. You see, this rejoicing that Paul is calling us to is not baseless. This rejoicing that Paul is calling us to is not groundless, but the lack of joy is groundless. That's imagined. That's that's not real. What's real is the joy we have in Christ Jesus. So rejoice. Stop believing lies that take away joy. And, and rejoice in the truth and the foundation of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So in the context of mission, the context of suffering in mission for Christ, this command rejoice means this. It means, I know you're hurting. I know you're afraid. I know you're hesitant. 
I know you're persecuted. I know you're suffering, but rejoice for two reasons. Rejoice because you're suffering for the sake of Christ. Rejoice because your suffering is counts. It is for the sake of Christ. And rejoice for the glory you will receive from the Father for your suffering for the sake of Christ. In John chapter 12, Jesus promised us, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Think about it. If anyone serves me, Jesus said, my Father will honor you. One day, we will see him face to face. We will receive joy and, the, and an embrace which, which nothing else can compare it for every beating of the ego that we took in our regards. So that's the first step, rejoice. The second step to being joyful, uh, even in our suffering on mission in evangelism for the sake of Christ, Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. I'm going to read this passage real slow for us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. Just give me one minute. There it is. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Look at verse 10. That's, that's the thing that I want us to focus on as we close. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Can you see the beauty and the power of what is happening in verse 10? that I may know him and the power of his resurrection first and may share his suffering, becoming like him even in his death. Let me show you the beauty of what's happening in this, in this verse. Look at the order of our death and our resurrection in verse, verse 10. It is reversed. See, death comes before resurrection. But verse 10 is talking about the power of resurrection before our death for the sake of Christ, before our suffering for the sake of Christ. You see, Christ suffered for our sins. He suffered for us. He died for us. And he rose again from the dead. For Christ, suffering and death came first. For Christ, resurrection came only after his agonizing suffering and death. But for us, the order is reversed. Verse 10 tells us, we first know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And in the power of his resurrection, we may share in his suffering. In other words, 
the resurrection power of Christ Jesus strengthens us to suffer on mission for his name. Christ suffered and died for us and rose again from the dead so that in the power of his resurrection, we may joyfully share in his suffering. You see the beauty of this? The order has been reversed. We experience the power of resurrection first before we are called to suffer for his sake. And this is exactly what this verse that we've been focusing on, verse 29 in the first chapter, has been telling us. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Faith comes first. You should believe in him. And with this faith, this faith brings the power of resurrection to bear in our hearts. And on the strength of the power of the resurrection of Christ, we can gladly endure the beating up of our egos as we preach Christ Jesus to a culture that frowns upon righteousness. You see, our strength to face the rejection of our culture in evangelism comes from nothing less than the resurrection of Christ Jesus. He did all the hard work. He paid the price. The price he's calling us to pay joyfully is such a small thing. You allow in this moment, right here, right now, would you welcome the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with the strength and the power of his resurrection that we might look at everything this secular culture can throw at us, this postmodern culture can throw at us. We will look at everything, every reason and every rejection this culture tells us that you cannot share about Jesus Christ. We will face that. And in the strength of his resurrection, joyfully proclaim Christ Jesus. You don't have to do it in your strength. Mission does not happen in your strength and mind. Joy in mission does not come from your strength and mind. It comes from God, from Christ Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. So this morning, would you drink tea? Would you, would you, would you reject? Would you cast out all the lies we believed that our culture is stronger than us? And would you receive the resurrection power that enables us to speak and proclaim and, and share the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us in the face of any opposition? Church, let us be emboldened. Church, let us be strengthened. Let us not be discouraged by how the culture frowns upon evangelism. Let us step forth boldly and, and, and gently and lovingly and winsomely and joyfully proclaim Christ and his salvation. May the Holy Spirit fill us with the very power of Christ's resurrection that we may be witnesses to Christ, even if it means that our egos 
take meeting. Let us pray. Father, we worship you, Lord. In the Spirit of God, we remember your word. In Acts 1 8, it says, For you will be filled with power from on high by the Holy Spirit, and you will be witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and ends of the earth. So we pray in the name of Christ Jesus, Lord, Father, fill us with this power of the Holy Spirit, with this power of the resurrection of Christ, that flowing from his resurrection power, we may share in his suffering, even unto death, as we live on mission, proclaiming the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.